Welcome to the show. I have a very special and lovely, handsome gentleman with me today. We have here Skylar Lee. Thank you for joining me on my podcast, Skylar. Yes, thank you for inviting me, Josh. Of course. Skylar, this is true or false. Today is your first day of a new job. Today is true. the first day. It is very true. Okay. What is this job that you now hold? Um, I am now GM, Finest City Improv. Uh, and my duties um, are a lot starting out on the administrative side. Um, and I have kind of a clear job description. Mm-hmm. Um but nothing I want to go into now because I don't have a full you know, grasp of yeah. it. Um, but yeah, nice. So we're gonna go back even further than where I'm gonna go. But just to add, so you you started here as just uh, where you, did you take you took classes right? Yeah, so you actually, t- like you were just a student, and then you eventually became um, the dude who ran lights and music, mm-hmm. and then you became technical director yes right so so now you're the gm uh so what are i know you're this is your first day and you're you're gonna figure out it's gonna evolve but as of right now what is your vision for this position what are you going to kind of over be be overseeing what are some of the things that you're going to be responsible for big picture um do you think yeah big picture um ensuring that Anyone who walks through the door, whether it's a student, whether it's an audience member, um, a work-study staff member, whoever whoever comes through training, whatever, has a solid experience, um, a good experience, a positive experience, and, and that nobody's left out. I know a huge thing for me uh, about this community was, was feeling so welcome, um, by everybody. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just one person that kept me coming back. The staff, um, the people that ran the theater, uh, the people, the work-study students, I mean, just the whole, the performers, um, everybody was just so welcoming and, and, you know, supportive and everything about it. I don't know. It just, it was so positive and I want everybody to experience that yeah. no matter what their reason is for coming in. Um, and so that that's translating a lot to, to my du- duties. Yeah. Now. That's so. cool. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a very unique thing about improv uh, from what I've noticed is that it seems to attract uh, really great people. And it seems to be of all the weird niche communities in the world, um, the improv comedy community seems to be one where yeah it's they really do drive home being welcoming and accepting and you do you certainly feel that when you go in and it's just it spreads that positivity spreads a lot and i think it's part because they they do drive that aspect but i think a part of it is for some reason improv seems to attract really great people for the most part so i mean that's just really cool thing about improv exactly and the whole nature of it is not 
is not um, separate. It's inclusive. You build this this thing as a team. You put each other up, um, and it's crazy the amount of diversity you have in this community. You can have a PhD scientist improvising with a, a you know, so a, a sandwich artist, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you would never know the difference. I still talk to people and um, that I've known for two, maybe three years in the community, mm-hmm. um, and then we'll just kind of spark up a conversation like, what do you do for a living? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's like, I never, oh, okay. And like, where have you lived? It's like these these things that seem so kind of surface level, maybe a conversation you'd have with someone you don't know, but you have this thing outside of um, what would be most everybody's normal life that you have in common. So you find just commonalities to talk about and, and, and whatever your background is, whatever your education, it's, it's strange. It, it rarely comes up because you have this one thing, this artistic outlet that is so supportive and it just, yeah, it brushes it all aside and it like kind of brings it into perspective like, hmm, we all love this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know just from having a conversation with you that you have a 10-year plan that you, or you had a 10-year plan, mm-hmm. which right off the bat is weird and amazing at the same time. Um, people don't usually have five-year plans or 10-year, like, I don't have a five-year plan. I don't have to, but <laughs> most people, like, you know, they have, like, kind of a general vague sense of where they want to go in life or they have some kind of vague or specific dream, but they don't have, you know, a bullet point or five-year, 10-year plan. You do. And we're going to get to that. But uh, so let's start. Um, I'm curious to know about where you grew up, how, or mostly how you grew up, what your family life was like, your dynamic how did your childhood and your family kind of shape who you are today, this young guy that's GM at FCI and has a 10-year plan that's bigger than that? Yeah. Uh, that's a big okay. question. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've, I've a big part of, of uh, I guess, me growing up is, is the different places I've lived and the diversity I've been exposed to. Um, and that, that comes with, yeah, just moving around so much. I've lived in um, in Washington and Montana and Alaska. I've lived in California before I lived here in San Diego. I've lived in Arizona. Um, I think I said Oregon. No, Oregon, no, Oregon, yeah. Oregon as well. Um, and, and a lot of that, again, that exposure um, to different communities and different, different people and, and different atmospheres helped me adapt and helped me be resilient and have uh, a sort of uh, knack for just making it work. Um, So my parents were split up when I was really young, um, probably three years old. Um, And then I, my mom had primary custody of my brother and I, Um, my, my closest brother is 18 months older than me. And my oldest brother is about five, five years, five years older than me. Um, and my oldest brother is, is from a different father. Um, but he didn't, we grew up with him, but 
um, his father had primary custody of him. So, uh, we didn't, we saw him a lot, but we yeah. didn't grow up. So, um, youngest of three, um, I think when we saw my oldest brother, he would protect me cause my, my closest brother and I would fight a lot mm-hmm. until my, he got bigger than me. Um, <laughs> And could throw me over his head. I would throw things at him. He, he would throw me. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, my mom, my mom is, is my hero. She's, she's really what drives me to work so hard um, at really everything I do. And she's shown us like on just unparalleled level of kindness to everybody. Um, She's a good person. Yeah. yeah. So, so why did you uh, move around so much? You were you were living mostly with your mom when mm-hmm. you were moving around. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of people assume like, oh, military family. Right. Well, yeah, my dad was a marine, but yeah. that's not why we moved. Um, it was all for different reasons, um, whether to be mostly based around family. It was either to be closer to family or closer to other family. Um, um, and so we bounced around. Yeah, mostly for that. And then, I mean, there's a little opportunity worked into there, um, I imagine, for my mom. Um, but it's just a balance. It was, it was kind of a different reason every time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did she have, like, a steady vocation, or did she was she, like, bouncing around careers a lot? Nope. She's with uh, She's been with Wells Fargo for over 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, when she worked, my dad had a... Uh, a lending, a title company, mm-hmm. um, that he ran for a while, um, when we were growing up, but, um, that kind of, uh, that crashed in, in 2007, 2008, mm-hmm. um, with everything else. And, um, you know, I think that was a big kind of a, a shaping thing, uh, for my, for my upbringing too, because at the time, um, I decided to move out of my mom's house cause I was being picked on by my brother too much. Hmm. And, uh, like I was just fed up. I'm like, I'm moving in with dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I called my dad and he's like, all right, I'll buy you a plane ticket. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. And I moved down and this was like in 2006, mm-hmm. 2005, 2006. And, uh, moved down to Oregon from Alaska and to move in with him. And then my mom followed about six months later. Um, and then my dad was just, he owned his own, his own title company in Bend. Um, and when he was, yeah, he was, he was doing really, really well. Um, but then it kind of, it kind of hit and it took everything away. And all of a sudden, uh, he owed a lot of people, a lot of money. Hmm. Um, and so it kind of, he went off the radar and my mom kind of, you know, took up the slack again. I mean, cared primarily for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but my brother and I were hellions in high school. Um, and we did get away with murder. I mean, <laughs> our, our house was, uh, we would refer to it as the safe house. Cause all our friends knew that like they could come to our house if they were just like needed to hang out or, or hide or like, you know, be, inebriated in a safe place, not like so much that it was a party house. They just knew that like my mom was, you can, I'd rather you be drunk 
and safe here mm -hmm. and she wouldn't allow us to drink or anything but mm -hmm. she's like if if you're ever in a situation you come home and you stay here yeah i don't want you out i don't want you driving i don't want you get in that was the same thing for our friends and they knew it was the safe house yeah um we took a lot of advantage of that and she's my mom i can't just say how much she's a beast she's um she had a full-time job in high school with two raising two high school boys a full-time job a part-time job and was going to college and still competing in in like running events and mm -hmm. and like a triathlon and um this local competition called the pole pedal paddle that has 10 different disciplines kind of like a decathlon but yeah. um she's just insane and all while she still had a meal on the table and um you know funds were tight she was honest with us but at the same time it was like we'll get through it but you just need to know that like you know we we're not going out for lunch yeah we're not going out for sunday this week right um but always she's like it'll be okay i think that's where i get it from and i put <laughs> i find that i put myself in situations where like i'll be strained i i would put myself under undue stress or pressure for the benefit of my growth but with that mindset i know i can just get through yeah what year were you born, Skylar? 93. 93. Yeah. Okay. So that makes you uh, 26. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So why do you think, well, first, when you say you're, you and your brother were hellions in high school, I mean, I just had a curiosity. I mean, what kind of stuff did you get into? And then uh, why do you think, you know, other than, I mean, was it just typical teenage BS or was there something <laughs> like underneath that acting out? Um. Yeah, a couple things. Uh, so, like, partying, drinking. You know, I, I didn't do much until um, about my junior to senior year, like my junior to senior summer. Mm -hmm. And because um, going into high school, I, like, had this group of friends that we would bike every day and we would hang out, and um, they kind of went off and started partying, and I didn't want to do that. And this was in... Oregon or Alaska? Or, Oregon. Okay, Oregon. Yeah, Oregon was um, middle school, like seventh grade through high school. Okay. And uh, yeah, these friends ventured off and, and started doing shit. And uh, I was like, oh, I don't want to party. I don't want to drink. Like, that's not me. And uh, I made, made a, a different healthy group of friends. But for some reason, I like, I wanted to be back with that friend set. Those, the bros, mm -hmm. you know, the people that I met. And I, was, I kind of succumbed to the pressures of that and, and trying to fit in, mm. um, and, and be someone I'm not. Um, and I totally went down that path. I started dressing like a little thug and, and acting like a little thug. And, um, I wasn't good in school. I was always out partying and drinking and smoking pot and, and, uh, trying drugs and just having a good old time. Mm -hmm. Um, but all four, all to try to fit in. Yeah. And I, I, I really kind of lost sight of, of what was true for me. Um, and if, in fact, I didn't even know. And, um, what was the second part of that question? Well, I mean, you sort of answered it. It was, um, just, uh, the question is why, like, why, why? do you think, you know, yes. it seems like just, you, you kind of wanted to fit in, mm -hmm. you wanted to be accepted. You just kind of went along with that. Yeah. 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 Um, exactly. Cool. So, your your little hellion 
in high school, fighting with your brother a lot, mom's being a, being a baller and being a beast and, and taking care of you guys anyhow. So when was it that you kind of sorted to quote unquote, get your act together in that sense? Okay. So hmm, let's see. I, uh, so my, my closest brother was always, we were always at, at odds with each other. Um, we'd always fight, but he was much bigger than me. I was kind of a, a small, small kid, um, through my, do you think it, it was pretty close in age? Do you think, cause I, I have three siblings myself and growing up, at least the person I fought with the most was the person who was closest in age to me. Do you think it was just being that close in age and kind of being on top of each other? Like, why did you guys fight so much? Do you think? Oh, okay. Well, I can say my, my dad was, was, kind of militant in his, I mean, he was always, always a part of our lives, maybe not the primary caregiver, but he was always there. And then when he was there, he was, he was very disciplinary, Mm -hmm. uh, like whoop our asses with a belt disciplinary, disciplinary, um, which in hindsight, like I appreciate now. Um, and it was, it was, it, it, I look back and I've really reflected on this a lot and I know um, some people could think it's, it's like, oh, you know, he, he whooped his kids with a belt and, you know, that's abuse. And no, it, it never, never even bordered that. It was always, you know, a warranted, warranted punishment. And yes, there are other ways to punish your children, but I think, um, we were little fuckers <laughs> and, um, that's just the way he, he knew. And I knew his upbringing fucking, fucking sucked. Mm-hmm. So, um, in fact, he was a f- much better father than he was given. I know that. Um, but all that would just, we were tougher kids. Um, and we would just try to beat the shit out of each other. That was, we resorted to fisticuffs, but when he got, when DJ got bigger than me, he would, uh, I couldn't really contend. I would just either have to be beaten up or like be beaten up. Um, but I remember this one time, um, this was the last straw for me. He, uh, he thought, uh, one of, one of my friends or myself stole one of his friend's wallet mm. wallets and um, it happened to have 80 bucks in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't even spend the night at my house, but I came home the next day and my door was like, there's a hole in it. There's like, it was torn down. My room was trashed. Um, he threw my mattress on the roof. <laughs> I like, like I had some keepsakes for my grandpa and he like, smashed those and it just tore up my room and I like didn't even know and I like I came in and went into my room and I'm looking around like what the fuck and then all of a sudden his door opens and he didn't even say anything he just grabbed my shirt and and slammed me up against the wall and then I'm like what the the fuck are you doing he's like you fucking thief and like just instantly jumped to like like you stole my I don't know. He assumed I did. And, um, again, there was a hole in my door and then he went to like throw me up against my door and the hole, like collapsed completely through my door. So basically he just like picked me up and threw me through my door. And, um, and my friend was there and he was like, like sitting there, didn't want to get involved. But at the same time was like, DJ, we weren't even, (laughs) we weren't even at the house. Like, he's like, I found the wallet in your, your truck. And I'm like, I didn't even drive my truck. Like I wasn't even home. So it was this whole thing. And that, like, um, 
and at this time, um, he was kind of running the house because he was the biggest and the baddest. Um, and I, I kind of, and it's a shitty thing to do in hindsight, but I, I kind of told my mom, like, you know, if you don't, he's out of high school, he's done. If you don't kick him out, I'm leaving. Uh, and so she's like, I can't, I can't, I can't kick my baby out, you know, um, cause I just don't no, I can't. I'm like, okay, I'm packing up. So I went to a friend's house um, for a couple weeks, and they were nice enough to allow me to live with them, and they understood the situation. And then um, after that, I decided to to get my GED, um, and I got my GED and moved down to Palm Springs uh, just to start working and just be out of the house. Um, yeah. And what age was... This is like around 18 or 17? 17. 17. Yeah, 17. I moved down to Palm Springs. Now, I mean, did you know anybody in Palm Springs? Yeah, uh, my pops, actually. He was doing some contract work for some old, I think, old high school friends. Yeah. Um, and so it was just like, uh, it was a contract painting job. Yeah. Uh, and we were staying at these condos and paint during the day and just hang out at night. Yeah. Okay, so then... Take me through that era of your life. Yeah, that was a quick era. That was like a, a couple months. We we had that uh, contracting job down in Palm Springs for a little bit, and then we went to Big Bear, and we were going to refinish a cabin. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were in the um, we were at the cabin, and and um, I uh, I was kind of butting heads with my dad. Like I was, I remember this this specific thing. I was setting up um, the pressure washer, and I like we bought a brand new pressure washer and I set it up and I primed it. I put oil in it and I was running through the manual to get it started up. Um, yeah. And I went to like start it and then he came to take over and I was like, you're not, you're not doing it right. I read the manual, you know, I, I, I know how to do it and he wouldn't let me do it and he wasn't getting it to work. And I like tried to tell him again and uh, he kind of just like got offended and like blew up and I'm like, well, I'm not going to, you know, Mm-hmm. I'm not your subordinate. Yeah. I'm your I'm your colleague now. Yeah. Um and I understood that, but he was still under the impression that like I'm dad. Right. <laughs> uh and so like I was like, Okay, I'm I'm done with this and so I bought a train ticket that night and went back up to Oregon and um I had uh I spoke with one of my high school one of my best high school friends and he was going to Phoenix, um, to go to college and uh He's like, I need, I uh, need a roommate to split rent, and so I'm like, hell yeah, I'll yeah. go. I had like three hundred bucks, which is half half of rent where we were going. I didn't have a job lined up, but you know, I'll figure it out. Um, so we went, paid half rent, and like I think this was in August 2011. Um, we moved down, and he started going to school, and I started looking for a job. Um, and luckily I found a job within like a couple of weeks. Yeah. So. Okay. So what happens next? What, uh, mm. what do you do for the next, next couple of years? Yeah. yeah so, um, that was a, that was a good time. Um, I knew that I knew that I needed to be away from my high school influences because of, um, all of the hell we raised and I just, I knew that wasn't the path and I, I kind of realized it wasn't me. Um, and so separating myself going from Oregon to Phoenix, 
um, was really nice because I just, I really focused on just work, just work and hanging out. And I met some really good people, actually a, one of my best friends now, um, uh, Mr. Brandon. Um, but yeah, I just took about two years and I, I worked and, um, my buddy left, he actually left me with the lease and I took it over. Um, he kind of attendance failed out of college, uh, which was a bummer. Um, but he, I took over the lease and I thought I had to get a second job to cover it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had a full time and a part time job. Um, I was the operations manager at a custom pool building company and then a, um, I, I was a swim instructor at a place called Aquatots, uh, part-time and I I didn't have a car at the time. (laughs) Actually, my truck broke down, um, on the way down. So I didn't have a truck or a car and I just biked everywhere. Um, and that was for about a year and a half. So I worked two two jobs, well, one job for about six months and then two jobs for about a year and a half and just worked and focused on me and all the time, you know, everybody asks you, what do you want to do in life? You know, you're, you're out of sc- you're a young guy, you know, what do, you, do you want to go to college? What do you want to do? And my default was always, um, you know, I, I want to go to business school. I want to own a business. Um, and there is some truth to that, but that was my safety answer. That was like, oh, okay, you know what you want to do, so, like, go do it. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just taking a break. The, the typical, like, beat around the bush. Mm-hmm. Um, I had my answers in line, and after about uh, a year and a half, I, I really started to ask myself, like, what what do I want to do in life? And I, uh, after just reflection, I'm like, I've always known what I want to do. I want to be a film actor. You know, I want to... I want to be on screen. I want to be a a working actor. Mm-hmm. I, um, and I just like realized it was like such a huge kind of epiphany for me because I'm, I'm I can remember being just so young watching watching Disney Channel and and being like I can do that. Watching like Sweet Life of Zack and Cody or even Stevens or whatever and um, I'm like I can do. I want to do that. And I like just. I feel like I had a, a natural knack for putting on, I guess, putting on for the family um, at times. And um, I happened to be visiting San Diego. I visited a friend out here just for a couple of weeks. He, f- he flew me out to hang out, and I uh, I fell in love with San Diego. And when I got back, I just started making a plan because um, up till then I didn't didn't really have a plan and this was about 2013 at the time um and my plan was just to get closer um closer to LA in essence and um I was like San Diego's perfect San Diego's perfect I don't have any acting acting experience but I know this is an opportunity just to be closer um it took me about, like, I had money in the bank saved up, but I, I planned for about six months and uh, coordinated it, and I did it. I moved, um, moved and got situated, and um, I kind of had my my goal in mind, but no plan. Yeah. Uh, and I know 
that I needed to develop a plan and I knew that and still know that like I want to do it the right way, whatever that means, mm-hmm. um, as good as possible and, and be as educated as I can along the way. Um, but still have a, um, a good quality of life, um, while I'm doing it. Uh, so once I was established in, um, in San Diego, um, it took me about six months to a year to, to regain my savings. Um, and I, yeah. How old were you when you, when you moved to San Diego? Uh, I think I was like 20, 20, yeah, about 20. 20? Yeah. So, so you're in Phoenix, you're working, you're, you're kind of away from the bad seats, quote unquote, from high school and you're, mm-hmm. you're kind of, so you're not really doing any tomfoolery, any jackassery, at least not as much as you did in high school. You're working, kind of maturing into, uh, an adult. Exactly. And then it's at that point where... You have this epiphany of, I want to be a film actor. That's a huge epiphany. Yeah, I've wanted to be. I I just lost sight of it. So this was a latent type of desire that you had inside you, buried inside you this entire time. Yeah. That's what what it felt like. Part of this being being suppressed by, um, I would say, I would say the group that I wanted to be a part of and and maybe even my father a little um, growing up around my dad, everything, uh, everything feminine or emotional was, uh, sort of suppressed in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it wasn't suppressed, you were, you know, you're maybe weak or, mm-hmm. or, um, yeah. Or, or like it would, it, you could be disowned. That's what it felt like if, if like I showed emotion or, um, yeah. Yeah. So obviously something like acting, which, you know, I mean, theatrical type of craft is the opposite of you know the militant type of vibe that your father came completely and i'm I'm sure not and probably your you know your friends too um Mm -hmm. was there you kind of touched on that um you kind of put on you know showy type of things were there like were you sort of a class clown or a uh kind of flamboyant type of act, you know, kid, like, was there any kind of creative expression going on that looking back that you noticed like, Oh, this was the kind of creative actor part of me trying to come out or that would come out. Ooh, good question. Um, not, I don't think not, not really. I, I knew, I don't know. Any, I like to. Like, were you ever any plays at all or anything? Like yeah, yeah, I was in the. I was in this little play when I was when I was in third grade. I remember I was, I was the third tree. <laughs> um, That's an important part. Of it. Yeah, and I, just, I and I moved yeah. like a tree in yeah. the wind. Um, yeah, I was the third tree, and uh, that was like very very short lived. I mean, I hardly remember it. Yeah. Um, there was. Uh, there was drama class in high school, but, um, you know, I caught some judgment and like for taking a drama class yeah. and like steered so far clear of it, right. even though it's like, oh, I was always interested in it and when I would see it. But there's also this um, improv Wednesdays. Oh, my gosh. Um, in high school, they had improv Wednesdays that sort of an improv improv program and there were some like juniors and seniors that would run it and there was there was short form 
it was mostly short form and, and we would just pack the little black box during the lunch, lunch hour. And mm-hmm. they would put on a show and I was just like, it's another thing. I was like so fascinated by it. Um, but at the same time, like I, I'd, I'd try to bring that friend group or any of them over and they'd be like, ah, mm, you know, I don't want to do that theater. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it just like, it all shaped like, cause I was, I was subject to wanting to be like them. I'm like, oh, okay. So if that's stupid, then I can't like it. So it's just, it all played in, but I know it was always trying to creep out. And I, I had this kind of desire, like I'd want to try out for a play. And, you know, I had the drama teacher kind of recognize a little bit of um, maybe talent, I don't know, but she was, she would definitely see me and try to continue to recruit me. But again, I, I tried to steer clear so I could, I could hang out with the other crew. Yeah. So, so then you're in Phoenix, uh, later on in life and the air's kind of clear, your head's kind of clear, free from the distractions, free from the judgment of your people like your dad, your friend group. And you have this epiphany. I want to be an actor. I've always wanted to be an actor and then you visit San Diego, fall in love, move there, uh, take about a year to get your, your S together and get some savings, right? Yep. All right, so what happens from there? From there, um, I, I at this point, I'm pretty much um, disconnected from from everybody, but maybe two, two maybe three people um, in Oregon, my high school people, and then Brandon, who I met in in Phoenix. Um, so I really had a lot of headspace to focus and I was working, um, working on a plan, um, and, and self-development and, and personal growth. Um, and I was reading acting books and self-development books, um, and stuff so I can mature and, and have tools to operate, um, and so I was focused on that. Yeah. Um, a big one was, um, um, the seven habits of highly successful people by, uh, Stephen R. Covey. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's incredible book. So good. Um, it, it gives you the tools you need to have any sort of success that you want. Um, and it gives you the framework, you know, you, if you're money minded, you can, you can, use this, use this, the tools and, and shift your paradigm to, uh, you know, have financial success. If you're family minded, um, same thing. If you're business minded, if you're artistically, uh, minded, whatever it is, you can, you can use those tools to aim in the direction you want to go. And that really set me off. Um, uh, there's an exercise at the beginning of the book that, that kind of shook me because I, I was taking it very seriously. Um, and that, uh, that helped propel me. Um, that's just one of a couple others, but I think that's, yeah. If I were to recommend one, that's a killer place to start. Cool. Okay. So then, Um, um, you're reading these books and sort of, are you like starting to, put a, the, a plan, actual, like, you know, pen to paper type of plan together? Or like, what are you doing? at this Yeah. Point? So I was practicing and then, yeah. Um, so my, I made a, uh, a, f- a five year 
and a 10-year plan, um, two separate plans to check in on, um, and also different uh, different metrics to hold myself accountable. Uh, and so my five-year plan was to educate myself in the industry and and research as much as I can and and get exposed to uh, people in the industry. When you say the industry, you mean the acting, acting industry, acting. Right. Yep. Um, so I was I was reading books and uh, with my free time and just reading books. And then the first thing that came along was um, I did this kind of. I would think of it as an intro to the business um, kind of class, uh, but it wasn't. It wasn't very like very good at all. Um, it, it taught me some good stuff, and we went through some exercises, but it was surface level on on so many. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. It wasn't a waste of money, but it wasn't worth two thousand mm. um, dollars. Which is, but you know, I learned. Yeah. Um, and so I went through this eleven month program, and all the books that I was studying about acting um, would all. Ho- always mention improv and how that's it's a principle for for acting and and just kind of a, a principle skill to have is that what in, that's what inspired you to essentially you know look up improv theater well i was seeing it a lot but i had a an agent for a short time um coming out of john casablancas and she actually took classes um back at when we were at the Lafayette location, mm-hmm. um, and she recommended me. Uh, she's like, you should, we did an improv exercise. That was one of the things covered, yeah. um, improv and, and newscasting. It was in the same, same, uh, session, mm-hmm. but she's like, you're, a. you should, you should go to check this place out. And that's, that's what prompted me to go, um, th- for that being my next step. Yeah. In classes. So she had taken classes at FCI. A, she, I think she took like a level one, maybe a level two class. Nice. Yeah. Well, do you remember her name? I mean, do you remember her name? Ooh. Some, uh, some old schoolers might know who she is. Yeah. Um, oh, man, this is your first agent, bro. I know, I know, I know. Um, some lady. Okay. Some lady. Yeah. So then she encouraged you to do it. So you do it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I knew I was going to do it. I knew I was going to sign up because I didn't really have a next step um as much as this place was supposed to prepare me and send me out mm-hmm. um uh there wasn't much after i mean she like she went out of her way to communicate with me and and try to like um guide me yeah. um which she didn't have to do she just did yeah so i knew i was gonna sign up i just wanted i saw there were a couple different theaters um finest city is the one that popped up like first and foremost yeah so i was like okay i'm gonna go see a show see what see what it's like check in maybe talk to a performer or something and mm-hmm. um and i happened to pick a night uh for the redneck romeo and juliet and i was just blown away and i ended up staying for the rest of the shows that night um i remember the first person I ever spoke to, um, was Vanessa, Vanessa Anton. Mm. And she was like so nice and happy that I was there. And she didn't even know why I was there or who I was. (laughs) And she's like, uh, I, 
I think I can't. I think she was in the show. I I can't remember or one of the shows that night at least. And um, yeah, and she just talked to me and she's like so excited about improv. And I'm like, I just I don't know. I was like fell in love. And I remember I was. Um, uh, I would keep notes on the people I met um, just for the industry, like what they did, our discussion when I met them. And um, I think Vanessa, I, I, I wrote like big smile, short. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, like, but she just Classic. like made such like, an impact on me. And I, every time I'd see her, I'd like be, and every time I see her now, I just like, she hasn't changed. No, she's still like short, still big smile. and still just a, a ball of, of positivity, positivity, radiant energy. Oh my yeah. gosh. You just soak it up. We're all, we're both smiling ear to ear right now thinking about her. <laughs> um, yeah. And so that was, that was the night I went home. I mean, it was like, it was like 12 o'clock then it was coming to the end of the night and I had a like a 45 minute drive back to my house. Um, and I drove home and got on my computer and signed up for level one. Um, and, um, it's, it's like over the past three or for the first two or three years, um, I wanted to be closer to theater because I knew it's what I wanted to do. So I made like these kind of series of moves. I moved from from Bonzel, which if you don't know, uh, is is up by Fallbrook on the very very. I think it's kind of out of San Diego County almost, but it's very north. Um, and then I moved. I was gonna move down closer to the theater, like kind of in inland in the city, but. Um, I met a girl at the time, uh, Miss Veronica Rose, and I ended up st- like stopping in the middle in, in Mira Mesa so I could I could live close to her, and then um, so my drive went from forty five minutes to twenty five minutes, and then um, we both got a place together um, in Normal Heights, which was like two miles away from the theater, mm-hmm. which was like a dream come true for me. Um, and that was my whole goal. So I moved jobs when I moved down to Mira Mesa, jobs and location. And then we moved again down to Normal Heights, two miles away from the theater. And then I moved jobs and location again to be close to the theater and then maintain that job um, throughout my studies and being a technical director and um, into this new position. Yeah. And so now that job is no more now you're are you, are you, are you still working that job or is this this is your full no time? this is my full time so yeah now your full-time job is gm of fci yes and i get to be the, around the community i so know and love and and hopefully can make the impact the same as how i i was impacted you know and, and be sure that anyone can walk in and, and feel what i felt um and still i still i walk in today and and see people with such filled with such positivity and just love uh, for no other reason than just sharing happiness and sharing this thing we all love yeah so i mean talk more about that talk more about improv in general uh, and then fci which is you know where we do where we do improv you know over these 
since that first night you saw Redneck, Romeo and Juliet, and met Vanessa, to now, like, you know, what made you, not to put words in your mouth, but what made you fall in love with improv and with this community? You know, what is it? What does improv mean to you? Like, what do you like about it? What do you love about it? Um, you know, like, obviously, it, it, it was just kind of a, a thing your agent suggested, and now it's this a huge part of your life, mm-hmm. you know? So what has gone into that? What is it about it that you like so much uh, it's changed it's changed me I've before improv I had had done a lot of self-development and um, seen some uh, a lot of progress um, with my positivity I kind of had a um, I was a bit gruff you know I like at work um, I was very focused you know I always want to do the best job I can and um, I have, I have a relatively young looking face and I always have, I mean, I, <laughs> when I got my license at 16, um, I'd always get pulled over cause people would call and say, Hey, there's a 12 year old driving a truck. <laughs> um, and that kind of thing. Like I was in high school and I could still get the kid discount at the movie theater. So, um, no, I just, I felt like I knew I looked young and so to one put on and be taken seriously. Uh, I felt very strongly that I needed to act seriously, uh, which in a sense I did because people are very, very quick to assume this young kid, this child looking kid, even if he's 18 or 20, um, you know, it's very easy to be dismissed. uh, And one, I would never allow it. Um, which at times it would make me come off as arrogant. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, if I, if I didn't stand my ground um, and, and just be firm in my words, then I would, I would be walked over and then I wouldn't, again, I just wouldn't allow it. And improv kind of showed me how to release the vice grip of that and, and gave me tools to use in conversation in real life professionally at work um it it showed me that i can i can be professional i can be taken professionally but at the same time i don't have to it doesn't have to be at the expense of my own mental health because my my inner voice um and it's something i'm absolutely still working on was was as serious as the voice i would use with others and uh, because I would take myself so seriously and not let go, uh, not you know be remember to be human sometimes. Um, I think relationships that I wanted to succeed would suffer, uh, and it's not my intention. It's just what I built into myself. So a lot of that was freed up by improv. Um, it was and still is at times terrifying to walk on a stage mm-hmm. um, in front of people and, and whether you know what you're doing or not, I just standing in the green room waiting for your team to be called on still my heart pounds and like, it's, it's thrilling to me. It's, it's a challenge. It's like, it means, I know it means so much to me, so I don't try to suppress it. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to calm myself down so I can, think um but at the same time it's just 
the kind of terror tells me that tells me that it's important and I know it's important but um, I've also become a bit more of an emotional creature uh, and a bit more learned how to be more vulnerable um, through improv and that has has grown relationships and allowed my communication to flourish uh, in ways that wouldn't have um, had I not been around such supporting people people that you know, I could I kind of sit in the back of a conversation and and feel awkward and be awkward, but it wouldn't be picked up, you know, by by this the community of people, and I I wouldn't feel left out or wouldn't feel like um like oh you know like awkward duck like I always felt included or pulled into the conversation. Uh, and I, I remember times when people pull me into the conversation and I, I wasn't expecting it. I'm like, uh, 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 just, um, but it would just roll, uh, you know, they, it's like they were my mentors in conversation and then it never scarred the relationship. It's just like, you know, you're you and, and you're developing and I never, uh, yeah, never had that. That's cool. Cool, man. Who are, who are some of your, when you look back, and of course your journey with FCI and improv is ongoing, but when you look back and even now, who are some people, um, either classmates, uh, people you met in the community, teachers or performers that you've seen on stage, who are some people that stand out to you that have been some of your favorite people? Either they were really good teachers, really good, really um, connect uh, really amazing performers that you connected with um, or watched or people that you just connected with in the community who are some people that stick out that um, you know you just want to give some props to hell yeah um, yeah okay so I have a great great list I know the Redneck Romeo and Juliet I saw uh, at the time I didn't know who he was but Romeo was was Keith James mm. and um his presence on stage was was just like so powerful mm. to me and i'm like what the fuck mm. i want to like i want to be that guy yeah. i remember going home like i like he was the reason i wanted to be on stage uh, on that stage yeah. you know i always knew i wanted to perform but i'm like fuck i want to do that yeah. um so he and learning who he is and then watching he didn't come around the theater as much i think um, he was like, kind of not, a, I don't know. He was less frequent, a less, less frequently a part of the theater as I was becoming more frequently a part of the theater. So, um, and I kind of like missed that. So every opportunity I saw that he would perform, I'd try to make it, um, uh, so him. So he, yeah, he doesn't, I, I, I've only seen, seen him with his his duo with his wife, his now wife, but um, he doesn't perform as often as he should. So, mm. Keith, if you're listening, uh, we need you on stage more than you are right now. Yeah, you inspire more people than you know. Yeah, come on, buddy. Um, right, continue. So, on. yeah. Uh, yeah, and Marley, too. Oh, my gosh. I just, side note, Marley did this scene. I think it was with, like, Craft Brew something. Brew Schooled. I don't know. But she, they're, like, these Costco... Costco employees that all found out the same night that they spend the night 
at Costco mm-hmm. and she, she was the butcher and she came out with two like lamb shanks or something and she kept smacking somebody with it. I don't know. It was fucking funny. Um, that replays in my memory all the time. So um, let's see another person, uh, Bridget. Uh, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. Caviola. Caviola. I think that's what I would say. Um, another, she has a lot of, of stage performance history and um before I knew that, I knew that her presence on stage was so comfortable and just very, uh, she was at home. She's, she's, um, powerful. Mm-hmm. She's super powerful on stage. Uh, and I, I'm like, oh. just every time I get to watch her, she's so comfortable and she's comfortable with playing slow and confident and she just makes it seem so easy. Um, yeah, she's good. Yeah. Tommy Gallon. Mm-hmm. Tommy Gallon is, is fucking awesome. Um, I'm inspired by his, his object work and his gameplay. Uh, he, he's so precise. Uh, he has this ability to have a thousand-foot view of the scene while still being in the scene. Um and I haven't played with him much, but he's just such a caretaker and so flexible. Um, again, he's his object work is like inspiration for me. I, I love object work, and he's articulate with his hands and what he does and very specific. Uh, additionally, I was fortunate enough to have him as a teacher, um, I think, for level two and three. Mm-hmm. Um, and he... I, I like criticism and direction. I thrive off of of real notes. Like I could give a shit about the chaff and and pats on the back because yep. at times when I do good, I know when I do good. Mm-hmm. I want to know where I can improve, mm-hmm. and uh, I feel like that's that's Tommy style. Like if I could get feedback from Tommy. Um, on everything I do, I feel like I'd be a hundred times better improviser. I remember when he was coaching us or, uh, he was our teacher. He would say, uh, like, pull the trigger, pull the trigger. I know you're thinking about whatever you're thinking about, pull the trigger. And that always replayed replays in my mind, pull the trigger. Um, and whenever it does replay in my mind and I'm on stage, it always just, it works out like, uh, stop, stop fucking around the trigger um and so i appreciate that i appreciate the brevity and i appreciate his work and it's just like he's real he's not no fluffy bullshit um yeah and uh um the wildness that is joey partinsky um sometimes i'll do like stuff that I'm like, oh shit, this is stealing Joe's Joe's character. Like, <laughs> I have one that I when I just a creepy hunched over character standing crouched on a chair like a gargoyle. Um, I don't know. I just love it. It speaks to me so much. And he's so witty on stage. Improv crush. Yeah. I mean, who isn't? Yeah. Uh, who doesn't have an improv crush on Joey Partinsky? Yeah. Um, and then the last one, I mean, there are so many others, but, uh, the last one I'll say is, um, 
facilitator, um, talent facilitator, Brandon Henskens, um, just his, his ability to put people together mm-hmm. and put shit together and the thirst for quality is insane. Um, also inspiring, um, you know, a lot of people want to perform and a lot of people want to just be a part of a team and pay dues and practice and perform. And he, he pulls people together. He, he makes sure shit happens. He, he's like, has a hand in everything it seems. Um, but everything he has a hand in, uh, he, he puts his best foot forward. He loses sleep every single day making sure that shit happens and that's like yeah it's like i want to i want to be a part of that what can i do to you know to help you um so yeah that's uh that's the list there are others um but those are my those are my that's a good list top top yeah then that would be a great improv team right there. That would be some Sky yeah. Dream team. <laughs> no, no, those are, um, yeah. Yeah, Keith uh, needs to be on stage more. Um, Bridget is probably, in my estimation, the best supervisor um, or one of the best that I've seen. Um, Tommy, I'm glad I'm seeing him more. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad he's performing a lot more. Or I'm just seeing him more. Yeah, it's funny. He's t- you talked about his option work because I had Jay Farb on the other day and she said, just his his object work alone just makes her crack up every time. Just <laughs> seeing him do his object, he's so good at it. He just that that's enough to, for her to laugh. Um, Joey P, everybody's improv crush, obviously. Yeah. Um, and Brandon, if if Brandon is it running his own improv theater before he dies somewhere on planet Earth, it would be a shame because um, he is. Yeah, he's just a guy who. Yeah, he is a great talent facilitator. Yeah, he put it put it best. Yeah, so, and he's also the reason that I um, started taking class at FCI too because I met him, well, I met him in L.A. Uh, I was living in L.A. at the time and was doing it. I did improv there first and met him there, so I took classes with him at I.O. West. Yeah, and then like several years later, moved to San Diego by way of like El Paso and stuff, and uh, hit him up and. He was like, yeah, you should take classes there. FCI. All right. So, um, yeah, yeah, all good people. Yep. Brandon Takeover. Brandon Takeover. Booyah. Booyah. Yeah. He still has asked me to be on Roar, so I'm still waiting for my Roar invite anyway. Oh, shit. Brandon. All right. You've been called out. Oh. Get me on Roar. I don't care when, where, how, why. Um, (laughs) All right, uh, Skylar. So, as as we are wrapping up here, where are you in your... So... Your plan now is is a well. You have you had your five year and a ten year plan. So where mm-hmm. are we where are we at? Where are you at with your with your long term plans and what do you see for the future? Okay, so um, in in two thousand thirteen, um, I, I started making a plan. Uh, in two thousand, about late two thousand. Late 2015, uh, my five-year plan was to be have a have my sustained income uh, be from the arts, um, and whether that I think acting was was out of the question to be fully sustained working actor uh, because I 
didn't have any experience and I understood that and I need a lot of work. Um, but sustained by the arts, um, was my five year goal. Uh, and I've, I mean, it's manifested and I've met and exceeded that. Um, and so it's, I, I kind of like am ahead on my five year goal, but I'm going to move into my, the second part of that, my 10 year goal. Um, and my tenure is, or for the next five years rather, is to kind of s- transition to formal, formal acting, um, while absolutely still being a part of of the finest city improv community, or just the improv community in general. Um, again, I'm so passionate about this community, and I have so much in me to give back because it's given me and it continues to give me um, just fuel, life fuel. I mean, I am literally living my dream right now, living what I prophesized. Um, So, yeah, next 10 years, try to slowly transition to formal acting, um, acting training, uh, and that would would be like Meisner Mm -hmm. um, because... It's just kind of a perfect transition uh, from improvising, and uh, I've I've done a couple small projects. Um, Tina Rose uh, put on Libra. Oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. Fuck it, I'm saying it. Libra, um, Libra. Uh, she put on a production that I helped um, produce with her, um, so she could see her script come to life and. Uh, I love working in the production side of it, but more my passion is is on film, and she she cast me in one of the roles. So um, that was good to have a um, a roommate who actually we recently just shot kind of a a pilot for an idea he has, but I can't say too much about that. Um, and yeah, just other little projects, you know. And that's that's another thing I learned. It's like fill your creativity as opposed to trying to fill your pockets with money. And, and that's, that's what it's been for me. These small part projects, large projects, whether I'm producing or acting in them or just being a part of them, it's exposure, it's experience. And I'm grateful for all of it. Uh, especially being around now that I get to be around the community of artists that attracts artists and that fosters them. So, uh, next five years, I'll have a slow transition. Yeah. I'll have a slow transition. And, um, like I said, I have a lot to give this community and I don't really have an end date for it, but things seem to naturally occur as long as I'm going in my direction. Yeah. So. Nice, man. Nice. Well, uh, yeah, the, the next time I'm, I'm doing my, um, mockumentary here uh oh yeah you'll have to uh come be a part of it please get yourself on screen my friend yes invite me put me up there people are raving about that mockumentary i mean people are just losing their i'm just kidding don't ever stop yeah um that's great man um that's yeah i have no doubt that um you'll see success in the next five years just like you have in the last five years so kudos to you my friend thank you brother and thank you for having me of course um and with that we will leave you thank you very much skylar it was a blast talking to you
and um, your lunch break's over, my friend. So you got to get back to work. <laughs> Thank you, sir. All I'll right, see buddy. you.